Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to thank you again for joining us on the program. And I'm telling you, over the last several weeks, we have been unpacking, I believe, some cutting-edge stuff. And uh, all we ask you to do is to consider the possibilities. We are not asking you to believe what we believe. It's just this is the research I've done. Uh, I've studied many different views of the book of Revelation. This, to me, fits without any fancy hermeneutics. It fits in the time slot. It fits in the history. Uh, Now, let me say there are varying views even among our camp on some of these things. So, uh, you know, there are varying details, but the general idea of what is occurring and taking place is really, I believe, fitting with what we've shared with you. Now, last segment I talked about out of the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation. I'm going to go back there again on this particular segment just to give us a place to springboard from. It says in verse 1, there was given me a reed like unto a rod. The angel stood saying, Rise, measure the temple and, and, uh, and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court that's without the temple, leave out, measure it not. It is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city. They shall trod underfoot 42 months. That's Daniel 7 verse 14. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the, the God of the earth. If any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have the power to shut the heaven, that it rain not during the days of their prophecy, to, and power over the waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. We described that last week as we talked about how the beast was the beast of Rome and how it was given to the beast of Rome uh, to uh, wear out the saints until a times, times and a half times. And then after that period that this time would come when the saints of the Most High would possess the kingdom. So this is the period of time when the uh, beast made war with them. This was the time of the siege of Jerusalem from uh, the coming of Titus and the different Roman emperors and uh, Titus, Nero, Vespasian and others that were involved in the siege of Jerusalem uh, that they would make war and overcome them and their dead bodies would lie in the street of the city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies uh, three and a half days and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put into the graves. And they that dwell on the earth would make merry, would rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. After three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither, and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. In the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell, and the earthquake were slain seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted, gave glory to the God of heaven. The second world is past, and behold, the third world cometh quickly. Now here's where I want to begin today. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, Behold, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now remember, I shared out of the book of Daniel that right on the heels of the beast wearing out the saints, that the time would come that the saints would possess the kingdom, and the kingdom, the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven would be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. 
I submit to you that's not something God is going to do. It's something He's already done. He already gave us the keys of the kingdom and that we should be operating in kingdom authority right now. If we could get the mindset of the church to shift from an evacuation mentality to an a, to a uh, occupy mentality, and I'm not talking about politically or passing laws and legislation. If that was the way to do it, uh, then the law of Moses would have been enough. But I believe the preaching of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit is what will bring about the real change in the lives and hearts of God's people. And the gospel of grace that is being released on this planet right now, I believe, is one of the greatest antidotes to sin that there ever was. Because where sin abounds, that's where grace will superabound. But he said, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto the, thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of the testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake. Now what I really want to deal with is the fact that on the heels of this temple being destroyed, this 42-month segment fits perfectly with Daniel's time prophecy. It fits perfectly with the times, times, and a half times of the book of Daniel. But if you remember, I read to you earlier, I believe it was, let me see, at the seventh, I believe it was in the seventh chapter of the uh, book of Daniel, that uh, during this period of time that, uh, that uh, it says, uh, uh, this is Daniel 7, uh, verse 13, And I saw in the night visions, behold, one like a son of man came with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, languages should serve him, serve him the dominion is an everlasting kingdom which shall not pass away, his kingdom which, that which will not be destroyed. It goes on to say uh, in... Uh, in the book of Daniel, that uh, until the Ancient of Days came, verse 22, and the judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. I think that is incredible, but it was also in the book of Daniel that he talks about at that time the books were open, and another book was open, and the dead were judged. Now, I want to take you with that thought also. Uh, to the book of Daniel chapter 12, and we're going to look at some things again in the book of Daniel chapter number 12, because what it does is it just keeps on reiterating the same thing. Now, if this is the seventh trumpet, the seventh trumpet, I mean, just with common sense, would be the last trumpet. Now, that alone wouldn't be enough, because you could say, well, that's trumpets of any kind. But I have laid out in probably 10 programs ago that the, the, the day of the Feast of Trumpets was called the Awakening Blast, or it was to announce the Great Day of Atonement, where seven vials of blood were about to be poured out. See, what's happening here is this is not just so much as chronological, but under the operation of the seventh seal, seven trumpet sound. Under the operation of the seventh trumpet, seven vials of blood are poured out. So this is all occurring in a short amount of period of time as these judgments, not like a uh, chronological order, but like a kaleidoscope, are telling you this same story from different viewpoints. Right now we're dealing with the destruction of the temple and the destruction uh, of uh, 
uh, of the power of the holy people. But later on, we will see great Babylon destroyed and God give birth to a new Jerusalem. So it's a tale of two cities. It is a tale of one city passing away, another city coming on the scene. It is a tale of one temple being destroyed and God raising up a spiritual house, another temple. It is one heaven and earth passing away and a new heaven and a new earth coming on the scene. It is, I mean, literally uh, uh, such a powerful picture of this transition. But one of the things that I'm really pointing out in this segment is that this is also the same time under the operation of the seventh trumpet is the last trump. And at the last trump, the dead are raised. And it is not an accident that in Revelation chapter 11, uh, that he would say in verse 18, and the nations were angry and thy wrath is come, but the time of the dead that they should be judged that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants. The prophets is come. See, again, this trumpet is sounding. It is the last trumpet. But remember, I taught you before that what is giving birth to these trumpets sounding is prayers from the altar that are saying, how long, Lord, till thou dost avenge us? And he's talking about the martyrs that have given their lives to the cause of Christ in the fifth and sixth chapters, I think a sixth chapter of Revelation. But it is the coal from off that altar in Revelation 8 that's cast into the earth. And when the prayer from that altar that's saying, how long till you avenge us is cast into the earth, then seven trumpets start to sound. The seven trumpets are the answer to the prayers of the martyrs of the saints where God is avenging them and that the days of vengeance have fully come upon this people and that there is a time for them now to receive the reward. They were told in chapter 6, rest a little while because there's others that are about to be killed. But now this mighty angel has put one foot on the land and one foot on the sea in chapter 10 and said no more time is going to intervene that there should be any more waiting or delay. It is time. In other words, to avenge all the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias in fulfillment of Matthew 23 where Jesus said all the, the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias will come on that generation that was alive and well when Jesus was standing on the planet right then. Now let's look at the book of uh, Daniel again, chapter 12. It says, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, the great prince which stands for the children of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as was never since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. Now remember, it is Michael the prince that stands up here. And Revelation chapter 10, it is a mighty angel with a rainbow on his head. And I shared with you already, that's dealing with Michael, the archangel. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Lord himself descends with a shout and with the voice of the archangel or the chief messenger. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Lord descends in the last trump and the dead are raised. Now, I want you to see this. It goes on to say that during this time, it will be a time of trouble such as was not in fulfillment of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, when he said there'll be a great tribulation such as was not since the world began or would ever be again. Now, he goes on to say, and, and many of them, verse 2, Daniel 12, that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine in the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, I mean, he goes on to tell them that during this same period of time, when the Michael the Prince shall stand up, that many that sleep in the dust will arise, some to everlasting contempt and some to uh, everlasting life. And he tells them that during this period of time, uh, that uh, men would run to and fro, knowledge would increase, 
They did be wise with shining the brightness of the firmament. But during this period of time, uh, during this period of time, there would be a tribulation such as would not since the world began ever was again. And he goes on to say that in verse number six, and one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be? to the end of these wonders. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters and the river, and he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swear by him that lives forever. I mean, if this is not a direct correlation to chapter 10, to the mighty angel who stands and lifts one hand up to heaven and again swears by him that lives forever, that it shall be for time and times and a half of times. Time, times and a half of times would be the 42 months that would be the times of the Gentiles trotting underfoot the holy city. And we've already showed you that that was the exact amount of time that the temple was being trodden underfoot in Revelation, the 11th chapter. And it goes on to say, shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people. All things shall be finished. The power of the holy people was their exclusive relationship with God and their temple and their worship. But God was about to take this mystery that was not just for Jews, but to Gentiles also, Colossians 1.26, that the mystery which was hid from ages, which is Christ in and among all of you, including the Gentiles, the hope of glory. So it was about to not be exclusive any longer. It was about to be all people. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. And he tells him in, in this chapter to seal up the words of the prophecy of this book until the time of the end. He tells the writer of the book of Revelation, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is at hand. Why? Because it was the time of the end. Revelation and Daniel are both dealing with the same time of the end. The time of the end was not the time of the end of this age. It was the time of the end of the age of the law. And so it was at that time that he goes on to say, many will be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waits and comes to the thousand three hundred five and thirty days, but go thy way till the end be, uh, and, and, be, and before thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days. He's telling Daniel, you're going to stand in your lot as well during this period of time. Now, I believe that if you look at this, that the daily sacrifice ceased when the agreement with the Romans, uh, the priests stopped offering the daily sacrifice. It was an act of war and it occurred just exactly in the amount of days that Daniel prophesied it would. If you read the writings of the book of Josephus, it's exactly the time from the time the daily sacrifice ceased. That was a declaration of war and it was determined that this stuff would occur within this time period of 42 months. Now, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, let me, let me go back and, and show you that he declares that during this time, during the sounding of this seventh trumpet, that many that slept in the dust would arise. Now, one of the things that I put in my notes, let me just read a few things uh, uh, from my notes, because uh, what, what in the Old Testament, what we don't realize, what we do not realize is that under the Old Covenant, when a person died, they did not go straight into heaven. They went into Sheol or into Hades. They, as what the scripture calls it, they slept with their fathers. They were awaiting something. Uh, they were 
in Hades or Sheol, and there were probably, according to uh, some of the scriptures that I have looked at, uh, different dimensions in this place of Sheol or Hades, where uh, would call, you know, Luke 15 talks about, uh, you know, that Lazarus was carried into the bosom of Abraham. So uh, th these people, but what, they, but what I'm saying is that under the old covenant, resurrection had not yet occurred and entrance into heaven was not yet made because the temple was still standing and the way into the holiest was not yet made while the first temple was still standing because sin was still dominating them and everlasting life had not yet been offered to uh, believers when Jesus would cause the resurrection to take place. Now, uh, let me say to you that they slept with their fathers up until then. Now, uh, uh, so they were all sleeping. Now, let me tell you, when I begin to look in the book of Thessalonians, and as I looked into the book of Thessalonians, and we're going to go to chapter four, but there's a few verses that I want to get on the way over there. And one of them is in chapter number two, verse number 15. It says, who killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets? and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they may be saved, to fill up their sin always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not heart endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Now let me show you this. And he said that they, they killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us and forbidden us to speak to the Gentiles, and they are filling up then their sin always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. This is in direct fulfillment to the Lord's own words in Matthew 23 when he says, fill up then the measure of your father's sin, because all of the blood of the slain are about to come upon you. Now remember again that it is the prayers of these martyrs that are cast to the earth that's releasing these trumpets and how long do you avenge us? I'm telling you that he's, he's avenging them right on the heels of the, of the temple being destroyed. He is avenging them because he is destroying them and that the wrath that he spoke of was now coming upon them to the uttermost. In verse 19, it says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? So he's talking about in context to these Thessalonians that everything that was prophesied by Jesus concerning wrath is going to come to their generation. It is also going to be that the coming of the Lord would be in their generation. And then he goes on to talk to them about their afflictions in chapter 3. And he said, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother, and a minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith that no man should be moved by these afflictions. In other words, this persecution that's coming upon them now. Remember, these things have to be relevant to something that's happening to them right now. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass. And you know for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. Now let me just skip down so I can cut through a little bit. But verse number... Uh, 13 says, to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all saints. So he's telling them that God would establish their hearts unblameable in holiness 
even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So he was telling these Thessalonians, you're being persecuted. We've been forbidden to come and preach to you. But wrath is about to come on them to the uttermost. And when this wrath comes on them, at the coming of our Lord Jesus, that he's going to come and not only bring wrath, but he's going to come and bring these saints with him. Uh, the whole book, we got to remember audience, uh, audience relevance when we teach scripture. When he talks about uh, in 1 Thessalonians, he tells them uh, in 1 Thessalonians that uh, uh, he, he says to them that uh, uh, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God because our testimony among you was not believed. Those things, well, let me, here, here it is. It says, um, so that this is 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians 1. Verse number four, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecution and tribulation that you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may count it worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer. See, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore, also pray ye always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and to fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith and power, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was telling them this stuff was going to be fulfilled to these churches. Listen, if I wrote a letter to the church at, let's say, Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm writing to them something and telling them there's some stuff that you're going through, but rest for a little while because God is about to avenge you and that you're going to see this stuff and that you've been the ones that have been persecuted, but God's about to be revealed in flaming fire, taking vengeance. You would certainly think that this stuff is going to take place within my time slot. Now, let me just say this, because I'm, I'm going to let these cameras run, because I'm not going to cut this off on this segment. I'm going to talk probably for an hour on this subject, so I don't have to come back and reintroduce it. So I'm going to slow down and really take my time with this. It is audience relevant. Everything Paul was saying to this church at Thessalonica was because they were undergoing persecution. They were undergoing uh, people being killed, people being killed in the arenas. Tribulation, suffering was coming, but Paul is telling them, listen, they are filling up the wrath to the uttermost and it's going to come upon them. Let me tell you that in Matthew, or I'm, I'm sorry, in Revelation 11, this wrath is coming. These are the days of vengeance that all things that were spoken would come to pass. Now, if you go to the fourth chapter of Thessalonians with this, I'm going to try to unpack this a little bit here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 where he goes on to say, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. 
For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. Now I want you to notice the personal pronouns and the audience relevance. He's talking to people who are losing their loved ones in the arenas, people who are dying in this transition period, and even Paul himself, he's saying to them, I don't want you to sorrow even as others which have no hope. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them who are falling asleep, because up through the Old Testament and even up through the 40-year transition period from 30 A.D. to 70 A.D., they are still falling asleep. The resurrection had not, the general resurrection had not yet occurred because Hymenaeus and Philetus were rebuked by Paul when they said the resurrection is already past. Because I'm sure that's what somebody's already thinking is Brother Hiles, Paul rebuked Philetus and those guys and said to them, you're in great error because you say the resurrection is already past. You see, you, if you're going to quote me saying that, you've also got to date when I put the resurrection. Because the resurrection was not prior to 70 AD. It would have been after 70, at the last days. As a matter of fact, it had to be in the last day of the last days because when Jesus stood before Martha and Mary, their brother having just died, he literally says to them, the hour is coming, but now is when they that are in the graves will hear the voice of the Son of Man, and some will come forth to the resurrection. I'm, I'm quoting it wrong. I probably ought to turn over there and read it. But he goes, but he does say this. He said, but those who live and believe in me will never die. Believest thou this? Now, I got to tell you that if what I'm saying is not true, then nobody for 2,000 years has lived and believed in the Lord. So uh, he said they'll never die. I'm going to tell you that from the moment of this resurrection in 70 AD until now, something happened and changed for believers that we do not sleep. We are changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Up until then, believers slept with their fathers. What Paul is saying to these men at Thessalonica is, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who are falling asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe Jesus died and rose again, them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, or literally by the Lord's own words, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So Paul, I mean, not Paul, but Jesus, uh, or, yes, it is Paul. Paul is quoting Jesus. He's saying, this we say to you by the Lord's own words. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.